0: In the choir, it's always a joy to worship at our church, to just be blessed by such great music. saw Ken out there, and I remembered my last time to preach, and Kathy sang, and she's now in the angelic choir. And so I look forward to sharing another message today with you. I want you to listen to this very sobering quote. Progress has brought us both unbounded opportunities and unbridled difficulties. The next half-century will determine if we will advance the cause of the Christian civilization or revert to the horrors of brutal paganism. The thought of modern industry in the hands of Christian charity is a dream worth dreaming. The thought of industry in the hands of paganism Is a nightmare beyond imagining, and yet this great man said, The choice between the two is upon us. You may have thought that uh, some preacher would share that, or some prophet or evangelist, but they were shared by a president of the United States, Theodore Roosevelt, in 1909. And the thing that alarms me me, is that I do not believe we have been listening to what was said, and we are in real danger as a country, perhaps the most I've ever seen in my lifetime, of following the predicted path of all the previous great civilizations and all the great powers that have risen Only to fall. We are following in the footsteps of a downward spiral by those great powers. No one, no power, no country has been exempt. Listen, and you decide where we are as America. I quote, From bondage to spiritual faith. Spiritual faith to great courage, great courage to liberty, liberty to abundance, and for much of our lives, we experience that level of abundance. But then the downward spiral inevitably begins from abundance to complacency, from complacency to apathy. Apathy leads to dependency and from dependency you find yourself back in bondage i fear that we are at the stage In fact we've passed the stage i believe from apathy to dependency and if so if so we're not exempt and we like all the other previous great civilizations may face our ultimate danger. As America, I believe we face another great crisis, and we need to not only hear a word from God, we need to heed a word from God. And now I'm speaking not to the American public in general, but to Christians in specific. You see, our problem seems to be that we keep treating the symptoms And we never treat the root of the decline. So we only try to put band-aids on a major wound that has caused us to experience our decline. Now, I do not claim to be a prophet, but I do believe that we as a country. And I really say this with sadness because I, I love our country. I have served in the United States Navy, and I love America. But I believe our country is dangerously close to an irreversible decline. So using God's Word and this opportunity that our pastor has given me to preach today, I want to share with you a word of warning for those of us who are Christians. Turn with me, if you would, to the Old Testament book of Micah. Not the easiest book in the Old Testament to find. You could check the table of contents. Or if you can more easily find uh, Jonah and Nahum, it's right in the middle. If you have a New American Standard Bible like I do, I'm going to be on page 806. So I hope that helps you. But don't be embarrassed. I've looked in the table of contents myself before. Micah chapter 3. Listen to these words, verses 9 through 12. Now hear this, heads of the house of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel, who abhor justice, twist everything that is straight, who build Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem with violent injustice. Her leaders pronounce judgment for a bribe, her priests instruct for a price, and her prophets divine for money. Yet they lean on the Lord, saying, Is not the Lord in our midst? Calamity will not come upon us. Therefore, therefore, on account of you, Zion will be plowed as a field. Jerusalem will become a heap of ruins. And the mountain of the temple will become high places of a forest. These verses are a very sobering warning from God to His people through the prophet Micah. The birth of Israel, when you stop and think about that country and that nation when it was birthed, was birthed as a great nation. It, it, it was built on morals and ethics and rules and regulations and precepts and honor and integrity. In our early years as Americans, we too were such a nation. In our nation, at one time, God's word was honored. But everything has changed now. And we may be, if my eschatological view of end times is correct, we may be witnessing the decline of America's power and influence because you find no evidence of America's power and influence in eschatology. So something is going to happen at some time. And we may be witnessing the decline of our power and influence that will occur just before our Lord says, Son, go get my children. Let's go home. And then seven years of incredible great tribulation, of hell on earth and difficult times for people. Now, I want to warn you about something. I I like all the prophecy books and the eschatological studies, but I I warn us against being fixated on the return of Christ while failing to obey our Lord's mandate to share the gospel. I like what former Governor Mike Huckabee said about this. Looking forward to Christ's return is beneficial when it encourages people to be accountable for their behavior. So Christians, we should look with anticipation to the return of Christ, knowing there is no prophecy yet to be fulfilled but what God could say, Son, go get my children And begin the great tribulation. There is nothing lacking for that to happen. So we have this opportunity. Our behavior must be such that we are able to share the gospel. When was the last time you shared your personal testimony with someone? Or when was the last time you opened the gospel tract? or took a marked New Testament, or shared your testimony as Brian Barnes did in our deacons meeting last Monday night so well. When was the last time you did that to someone who may not have ever trusted Christ? Obeying our Lord's mandate to make disciples is the priority command that God has given to the church. The prophet Micah was preaching at a time of crisis in Israel, much like ours. He he mentions three distinct groups that were responsible for this decline. And, and the thing that scares me is as I read this, I, I saw all three groups in our country. So listen to them first, because these people in Micah's day, just as... Our people in our day could be leading us on a downward spower that puts us in bondage. And I want to alert us to a word of warning from God. First, there were political leaders who were corrupt. In Micah 3, if you read that verse, you find Micah. He's meeting with the political leaders. He's having a conference with them. And they're discussing the threats That are upon them. They're discussing specifically the threat of the Assyrian army. And Micah told these political leaders, the Assyrian army is not our problem. They're not our real enemy. He laid the foundation of their problem at their feet and their lack of leadership. And I believe the political leaders of our country have to accept responsibility for the decline of our nation as we have known it. Now listen to these words. These are some of the words that Micah said. Verse 9, to these political leaders took a lot of courage. He said, you twist everything that is straight. You can make a lot of applications to that for this day and age. Twisting, perverting, changing. You twist everything that is straight. You pronounce judgment for a bribe. And we've seen that all too often in our society. In other words, political leaders, some of them, you lack integrity that is needed to lead a nation to be great. Unfortunately, we have some political leaders in our country who are putting politics ahead of principle, who do not lead with integrity and honesty as they should. What can we do? What can Christians do? What must we do? Well, I believe, first of all, We ought to call this a call to prayer as never before. We ought to pray as never before for the President of the United States, his cabinet, for the Congress, for the courts, for our governor, for all the state legislatures. We ought to be deeply involved in praying for them, that they would surrender and yield to God's guidance. God's will is going to be accomplished in spite of what they do. But we pray that they would respond in a responsible way. But I want to tell you something even more important that Christians need to do. It is time, church, that we put feet to our prayers and start boldly sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Many people... Now, we've got to stop and realize this or we deny the Word of God. Many people in our city and some even in our church are lost and are going to spend an eternity separated from God in hell and tormented forever if we do not share the good news with them. We must share the good news. We have a good news answer. It's not bad news. Lindsay on the video shared how simple it was. And yet, would you believe there are people who will sit down in five points at a, at a local coffee shop and not know who is Jesus Christ? And not know how to have the, the gift of eternal life. Not understand how to have a personal relationship with jesus christ people like that in our community living maybe in chicago maybe in new york no, right here in columbia south carolina so we've got to pray for our leaders and that's our responsibility but while we're praying we better be witnessing that is our responsibility the second group of people that micah dealt with were the prophets Look at Micah chapter 3, verse 5. Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who lead my people astray. When they have something to bite with their teeth, they cry peace. But against him who puts nothing in their mouths, they declare war. These corrupt prophets were not giving a clear thus saith the Lord to the people. Instead of warning God's people, they were walking around saying, Peace, peace, things have changed, things will improve, all is well. Let's just work together. Rather than people, rather than leading their people to trust in God, they were telling them, as Paul wrote over in Second Timothy, people with itching ears, They were telling them what they wanted to hear. And unfortunately, that's what some of our political leaders are doing to us. They're telling us what we think, what they think we want to hear, instead of being honest and truthful with them. Because, you see, some of these preachers and prophets and teachers, some of them are motivated by materialistic greed. Sad to say that there are some preachers today who will not hold up the biblical standard for right living. They will not do that because they fear for their jobs. They do not fear God. They're finding new ways to interpret God's Word because they don't want to offend people. Too often, some of today's preachers will not label Certain practices as sin. They don't want to be politically incorrect. They don't want to be insensitive. They, they, they've given into this psychobab and talk and, and they look at sinful conduct and they say, oh, come on now. That's just an addictive lifestyle. Oh, come on now. It's just an alternative lifestyle. And they won't call sin a sin. Spade a spade and tell it what it is. God's word hasn't changed. God doesn't need to critique it and edit it and update it and revise it. He said what he meant, meant what he said. And so we need to understand that people need to hear of thus saith the Lord. You see, what we're doing, I mean, what if I went to my doctor and I told him I had a serious problem and he saw I had a problem. And he could treat it. But here's what it, what what would you do if if your doctor said, well, I'll I'll tell you what, I'm going to tell you how to cope with your problem. You're just going to cope with it, deal with it, live with it. When you know a cure, you know a solution, I'll teach you how to cope with it. You see, it's not very popular to teach people how to repent. And the only ones who need to repent, really, other than those who need to repent and trust Christ as their Savior, the vast majority of people who need to learn to repent are God's people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways and repent, then God would bless that land. But he will not bless this land. He is not obliged to bless our country Continually as he has done unless we teach our people to repent and I want to confront you today dear church because I love you I believe God brought me back to our church for one principal assignment to get our Sunday school recharted on fulfilling the great commission because I believe the Sunday school is a church organized to carry out the great commission so I want to tell you something We need to help our people understand disobedience to the Great Commission is sin. Is there not an amen to that? Do do you not agree with that? I mean, if I said adultery is sin, amen, preach on, brother. Homosexuality is wrong. Yes, sir, preach on. But when you get into this, you're being disobedient to the prime directive the, the general, the commander-in-chief said, go and make disciples. And we said, well, the deacon down there, he can do that. Oh, yeah, those two student, student ministers, that's why we hired them. They do that. No. Like Lindsay, as a layperson, just taking time out of her busy life to go and... Witness to people. That's what we need to do. Disobedience to our Lord's mandate is one of the great sins in today's churches. And we must repent. You must repent and allow God to cleanse you and then look for opportunities. And by the way, you will not be witnessing to many people till you start praying for them. Every time I have trouble seeing people trust in Christ, I look at my prayer list and it has grown deplete. But every time I start putting people's names on my prayer list, maybe for salvation, for the Lord to save a marriage, for the Lord to bring them to join our church, for the Lord to touch their lives, He inevitably gets me divine opportunities where I can share with them a good news message. And it's not something I force on them. We're not to high-pressure people to make decisions. We're not to be unapologetic about it, but we ought to tell them the truth. So it could be that today you need to repent right where you're seated. Repent that you have not been obedient to the great commission of our Lord. Well, we've got the political leaders we got the prophets and the preachers. The third group was the people. The leaders and the people did not obey God. They didn't, in Micah's day, didn't remove the idolatrous high places from their midst. And this led them to worship false gods. I sometimes wonder if our stock market became an idol, something we worshipped. I mean, what if God removed it? Would he not still meet our needs as his people? Obviously he would. (laughs) Not in the way I'd like, but that's a fact. Because he said, I will meet all of your needs according to my riches in glory, not according to what's in your stock portfolio. I'd like to see what it used to be like. But that may not be God's will. But I do know one thing. He will meet the needs of his children, we just need to put aside the idols, the things in which we have trusted other than God. unfortunately, Micah 's people as our people have seen ungodliness and sexual immorality. we saw sin permeating their society, and we see sin permeating our culture, even our churches we we used to like to call ourselves a Christian nation, but we're, we're long since past that. And we know that. That's just a fact. We've long since passed that. We banned prayer at schools. We we banned God's Word and we banned uh, the Ten Commandments from certain public places. We don't want to be insensitive to other beliefs and other religions. You see, we seem so afraid. Of offending someone or some group. That we're unwilling to defend the foundational truths that made us a great nation. We seem all too willing to offend God. And afraid of standing for the truth. And here's why. Because we have believed the lie. That we have been told, you Christians, you Christians are intolerant. You, you Christians are judgmental. You, you Christians are radical hate mongers. That's not true. That's not true of true committed Christians. We don't believe people ought to be forced to believe as we believe. We don't chop off their heads if they convert to, from one group to another as some groups do. But we do want to tell them unapologetically the truth of how they can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me close with this. Look within Micah chapter 6, verse 8. I want to close with a positive message for you. Micah 6, 8. He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. There are three things, I close with this, that the Lord requires of His people. First, we must be people of justice. Not only must we want justice for ourselves, we must show justice to others. Christians need to treat others with integrity. Our word needs to be like it used to be. It is our bond. God requires us to act justly. And to act like he acts toward us in every relationship, in our marriages, in our jobs, in our churches, God wants us to act justly. Secondly, we must love kindness. Christians must cease retaliating against those who have wronged us. I like what Henry Blackaby once said, forgiveness starts at the cross. Showing people love and kindness, even when humanly speaking, They do not seem to deserve it. One of the most Christ-like things we can do is to show them God's love and God's kindness. And then lastly, third, we are to live humbly before God. Now, this is so critical in evangelism. The Bible says Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. This meant the sinless Son of God had to be put to an open shame. They nailed him to the cross. He took upon himself all of our sins so that we could have the free gift of eternal life. And so we must be willing to follow his example and humble ourselves and live before him and before others. And he tells us, here's the most effective witnessing there is. I close with these words from 1 Peter three, fifteen. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. In other words, be holy in your lifestyle. This comes before witnessing. Then always be ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. This is our mandate. Be prepared. Witness. Yet do it with gentleness and kindness, which speaks of our attitude, Any witnessing. So the warning, I believe, is clear. God's judgment is near. The mandate has never changed. Make disciples, share the gospel. Have you trusted Jesus Christ to be your personal Lord and Savior? Father, I pray today that if there are people that have heard this message that are religious, they're Baptist, and whatever else, but they've never repented of sin and trusted Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone to give them the gift of eternal life. I pray they'll do it today before it is eternally too late. Help us to heed this word of warning that you have given us. May we be bold in our evangelism, in confidence that the Holy Spirit will guide us and direct us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing. Our ministers will be at front. You come and respond as God has touched your heart.